This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Hey, Emmanuel, what's up? Pastor Nate here, and uh, it is actually getting fun to talk to you in a new way. As a church family, we're in hundreds of locations now. I'd like to say there were one house with many rooms, and that means a whole lot of new things. Many rooms, it might be your kitchen, your living room. It could be in your car, on your phone, standing in the, in the hallway. I don't know where you are right now, but I just want to say, hey, thanks for jumping together as a church family. We need each other. And I'm excited to talk about part three of our series on four. And we've been talking a whole lot about four. What does that mean? Well, God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And, and last week we talked about how, how God's blessing is on our life, that he turns his face towards us and he smiles on our life. And if we can walk in that and know that God is with us, we can face the future. Today's message is entitled, For My City. In many ways, I want to greet you as one who is in exile. Exile is being away from the place that you would rather be in. We have a lot in common with the people in the Old Testament right now. I want you to think about this. The Israelites were moved from one location to another. And it happened multiple times throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. The Israelites were in Egypt. They moved into the desert. Then they went into the promised land. Then years later, the people of God disobeyed God, and God sent them into exile. Many of their people were sent to a country called Babylon. And in Babylon, which is modern-day Iran, in Babylon, they were underneath enemy control, if you, if you will. And now they were not living in their homeland. It's a lot like it could feel right now. Even though you're living in your home, your life has totally been uprooted and you're not living in the same circumstances that you were just a few weeks ago. And I found great hope in the scripture and what God spoke to the people of God while they were in exile or they were gonna go into exile. And I want you to look with me at Jeremiah chapter 29 Verse 4. Now, in Jeremiah 29, a lot of people love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, where I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, all of that. But actually, that was given as a promise before they went into 70 years of exile. Uh, this was like a promise in the middle of great impending doom, if you will. And their families were separated. Life was going to be different. But God also gave instructions for how they were to live when they were there. So once you get over the fact that, hey, it's a new normal, and now you've, you're going through the grieving process and you've ex accepted the fact, we're in this now. Now how are you supposed to live? And it says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then Find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. Now I'll get to verse 7 in a second. I'm, I do think that there's going to be like a coronas, coronavirus baby boom somewhere down the road. But that's not what this was talking about. Basically, you're saying don't shrivel up and stop living. Live to your fullest. Give it your best. Don't just shut down. But then it says this in verse 7. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord 
for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. There's three, welfare. There's three things in here I just want you to catch real quickly. First is pray for your city. The city that you're in exile. Pray not only for yourself and your family, but pray for the people that are around you. It says pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray for the leaders in the city. Pray for the people in the hospitals around you. Pray for the people around you. And the more you pray, by the way, the more your burden will grow for them. The more you care for people in the neighborhoods that you live in and the people around you, instead of being grumpy and complaining or just withdrawing, you can pray for them. The second thing is work for the city. It says work for the peace and prosperity of the city. In other words, don't just sit back and observe. Jump in. Now you're like, well, how do I jump in if I'm supposed to I'm being locked in at home? There's an executive order by the, the governor of the state, Pastor Nate. Come on, man. Well, did you know that you can lean in and see what's going on and do something about it? You can help schools. You can help businesses and charities, your finances or support in other ways. You can support our government and work towards uh, obeying and being in collaboration with and at peace with all of the expectations that they're asking us to have. You can work for it. Turn to your person that's next to you right now and say, work for it. <laughs> you can work for it. And, uh, and you can notice needs and share needs. There are going to be people that aren't in your immediate circle of influence that you could care for as you see it pop up on your Facebook timeline. Or you could see it and hear about a story of somebody that's hurting or somebody that's a single parent that's at home or senior saints that just need a, a, a note of love, even though you can't see them and touch them physically, you can drop things off at their doorstep or you could care for them and you could call them or you can notice them. And then finally, so you pray for the city, your city, work for your city and then be for your city. In other words, live in a state of being. It says, for its welfare will determine your welfare. See yourself as a part of the city. Don't just look and go, it's us versus them. I don't know what my city's doing. But see yourself as a part of it. And you want, when you want the businesses around you to succeed and you want the neighborhoods around you to succeed and you're not categorizing it by their political party or anything else, you're just wanting them to succeed. As you do that, that will be your welfare as well. When you pray for the prosperity and work for the prosperity because you care about the people around you, guess what? That only helps you be better. And to help us think about our city right now, I'm so excited to welcome to the platform of Emmanuel, Sheriff Stewart, the Anoka County Sheriff. And Sheriff Stewart is coming right now, but he is the leader of the entire Anoka County. And uh, we're so excited to have you high five six feet away from each other. Sheriff, we're so excited to have you with us today. And uh, um, I've had the privilege of getting to know you before, and you're one of our community partners. We believe in law enforcement. We're thankful for you guys being on the front lines. And, of course, the leadership hat that you wear means that you oversee a whole lot of people, and not indeed, just the indeed. ones we see in squad cars, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We have six different divisions providing a wide array of services to all of the county and beyond, and, and thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, it's crazy, uh, the, the, the moment that we're in, and... Um, I'm sure from your vantage point that there's a lot going on. Tell us about this last week, kind of the things that you've been 
working through now. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly been an adjustment. Um, we're used to a busy schedule. We're used to doing a lot of different things. And like the rest of the world, we've had to modify how we deliver services, how we work with the community, and how we interact um, with all of our partners. It could be the, the courts and our, our police department partners and our emergency medical services and certainly the citizens that we probably uh, serve and protect. But like, again, the rest of the world, we're adapting along the way. We're finding new ways of doing business. And uh, we're finding that uh, certainly, using my own example, the calendars that I thought were busy before have mm. exponentially gotten much busier, but we will prevail. Yeah, and you were telling me earlier that you're getting updates from the state and the national side of things, and then you're coordinating with local police departments and organizations, including the, the health community, and so you're kind of in between it all, the web work. We wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. Um, one of the things that you kind of gave me a clue to earlier when we were talking was there's a, uh, a thing that's under your care that may, maybe others might not be thinking about that's re really a critical need that we need to pray for, and that has to do with people that are um, in jail right now. Yes, absolutely. So as we talk about the change of our culture, um, we know there's a lot of people who have made mistakes, who have found themselves incarcerated, who have gone through the process, who find themselves in a tough place, and on top of everything else that we're all facing, they are separated from their families um, physically. And, and so we're trying to do a lot of things internally to help them communicate. We've instituted iPads as an example for texting and being able to have more interactions with their family. We've waived a lot of the fees for people that want to have those type of conferences with our inmates. But additionally, we recognize that it's a tinderbox in there because if one person comes in with the coronavirus, the entire environment can be dynamically changed in a heartbeat. Wow. Wow, we'll have to put that on our prayer list. Please do. And for the people that are working there, right? Absolutely. Our team does a great job, and they're, they're carrying a very heavy burden across, uh, across the office right now, but we continue to pray for them. Across all the spans of care that you're responsible to provide leadership for, how many employees are there? Uh, with with full-time, part-time, and volunteer staff, we have about 400 people. 400 people. Wow. That's a group of people that we can lift up as a church and believe Please. in. And, um, how can we help as a church? What, what can we do individually or as a whole church that can really help you during a season like this? Well, that's a great question. And we, we see, uh, as we look across the nation, there's a lot of different ways that people are interpreting and or reacting to the executive orders that are playing out across the country. And uh, one of the things that we can all do is embrace the executive order. Uh, I keep on to encourage when I see large-scale parties as we've seen around the country. It's mm -hmm. like the longer we resist, the longer we're all going to be have this imposed on us. Mm -hmm. So we need to really embrace that we're trying to flatten this curve and stop the spread of the virus. So those basic things that we've been hearing, wash your hands, don't touch your face, mm -hmm. maintain social distancing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So please embrace those. Another thing that we can do, and especially you, church, understand this more than anybody, the value of prayer. Mm -hmm. um, I... I absolutely believe in it. I've seen it work, and I know the value behind it. And it's one thing if I sit and pray about something, but when we all come together and we pray, it makes mm -hmm. such a dynamic mm -hmm. difference. And I see this as a true opportunity for the church universal. I mean, for not just Emmanuel and not just Anoka County and not just Minnesota and not even just the United States, mm -hmm. but if the church across our, our globe starts praying, not again, and this is my own perspective, but not even just for the virus, but for an international unity yeah. that we put politics behind us, we put all these other things behind us. This is an opportunity. Yeah. And this is an opportunity for the church to shine brighter than ever, Amen. to say, we are going to move forward in a new direction. We're going to shine God's light. We're going to spread God's love, and we're going to make a difference that is going to be 
our moment in time mm. to say this defining moment we're going to choose to embrace opportunity mm. over the negativity. That's good. That's good. So we can work, like I read from my text today, we can work on complying with the expectations from the executive order that is beneficial to everyone, and then we can pray. Absolutely. Um, Be the example. Anything else we can do? Yeah, there, I would say, again, even internally, um, for individuals, Yes, this is a lot of uh, challenging times. We understand that. We understand the value in these precautions and the preventative measures. But really, this is your opportunity to see things differently. We talked earlier uh, as a group about some of the habits we all have in our lives. This is our opportunity to develop some new habits. And this is an opportunity for us to talk to our children and others about our priorities, our core values, about perseverance, about um, why we have faith. Mm. about how we can spread that faith. This is an opportunity to reach out to the shut-ins, as you mentioned. This is an opportunity for us to shine a little brighter than we have. This is an opportunity for us to explore what God's purpose is in our lives. This might be our purpose. This might be the moment in time where it's our defining moment yeah. where we get to really step out. <clears throat> I promise it's dry air. <laughs> but this is, this is our chance um, to see this as an opportunity across the board. Mm. And so I would really encourage everybody to do that. See this as an opportunity. Don't see it as your, your lockdown. Turn off the social media. Don't use that as your, as your form of, yeah. of, of information. There's a lot of great resources that are out there from the Department of Health and the CDC, et cetera. Um, and another thing I just want to caution everybody, there are a lot, a lot of scammers Mm. As, as a part of this. So when you're getting the emails, when you're getting the phone calls and people asking for your, your contributions and your money, please be very mindful. If you want to support Emmanuel, go to Emmanuel's site. Don't trust an email necessarily that is sent to you. Yeah. Um, and the little list goes on and on. We're telling people all the time, don't click on a link unless you were expecting that email. Uh, and likewise, don't ever give out your personal information over the phone. And I'm, I'm putting on my law enforcement hat a little bit, but That's we really good. don't want to see Emmanuel or anybody being yeah. victimized during these really these times when we're all a little bit on edge and maybe more vulnerable yeah. to help and support others. Yeah. Wow, that's so important. And uh, we're thankful that you care for our, our county and uh, for the cities within the county and all the police departments and all the people in the neighborhoods and all of that. And biblically speaking, really, you're like a watchman on the wall. Uh, you're it's one my privilege. Watch, watching over the, the, the city and the care of the, the city and the benefit of the city. And uh, if we could, as a church, we'd like to pray for you as you re represent the 400 people that you oversee and the people that you care for. And I'd like to pray right now. Is that okay with you? I would be you? absolutely honored. Okay. Thank you. Father, we just come before you right now, and we thank you that you raise up leaders for such a time as this. You take them down. You bring them back up. But when you put a leader in place, it's for our benefit. And we thank you, Lord, that you put Sheriff Stewart and all the people around him, his team, in for such a time as this. We pray for the individuals that are on the front lines, whether they be in the jails or squad cars or they be in places of, of communication with the, the, the people of our, our county. Or they be, Lord, the, the partners that the county works with, with the health services community or the education community. We pray you're a protective hand over our county. We pray, Lord, literally, you would drive the virus out. You put a wall around our counties. And not only Anoka County, but there's so many under the sound of my voice that are in other counties. We pray the same thing, Lord, for the communities around Elk River and, and Sherburne County. And, Lord, those in Hennepin County and Maple Grove area. And we pray that over all of the Twin Cities. And we ask, God, for all law enforcement, God, that you would lift their hands up. 
Lord, you lift their spirit up as well. They're, they're carrying a heavy weight at this moment. And we pray, God, that they would be strong enough for battle. They would be strong in the middle of this. And we pray for the families behind them who, Lord, are, are sending their loved ones out uh, every single day. And we pray, God, that you would lift the families as well. And that, Lord, health would come to their families. And the Lord, peace of mind would come to them. And prosperity would come to our city as well. We pray your blessing, God, your protective hand. And we pray, God, that you would send your angels. And your angels would protect each and every one everywhere that they go. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Give it up for Pastor Nate, interview for Sarah Stewart. I was going to call you Pastor Stewart. Give it up for Sarah Stewart. Here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> Pastor Stewart. In many ways, he is pastoring people, I think. I think there's something about that as a sheriff. He's on the front lines, and we're thankful for a leader that is giving his best. Well, today, I want you to consider that God is thrusting us toward our communities, not withdrawing from the people around us. When you know that God is for you, you develop a security to step out and be for others. I've been looking and watching the people of Emmanuel and in our communities this week, and I've seen so many amazing people that have the love of Christ in them, and then they're reaching out as nurses and medical teams that are on the front line. And because they have security and eternal security in heaven, they can step out and meet the needs of the people that are around them. And even people that kind of sometimes are hidden in our culture are being brought to the forefront of our kind of esteem, if you will. I mean, think about this. Delivery drivers and grocery employees and people that are given their best, teachers and staff in local schools that now are teaching online beginning this week and helping their classes and finding new ways to do that. And then uh, some of them, the staff, are also delivering food for kids in the community around us. And I know that there are many locations in the school districts that they're, they're delivering food to kids that don't have food any other way. And, and then, of course, parents who are kind of new teachers at home, trying to figure out how do I like teach my kids and I'm home with them. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, the confidence to step out and take care of people around us comes from the security that we get from knowing that God is for us. But sometimes God now will begin to give you a supernatural vision that propels you into your next. I want you to consider that God has put us in a timeout in some ways. We're stuck at home, but there's opportunity in your home. And two things can happen right now. Either our circumstances will change our theology, or our theology will inform us how to navigate our circumstances. So when you're at home, it's a good thing to dive into the Word of God and see what the Word tells us, because then you can filter what you do and see through the theology of the word. Friends, it is bedrock, it is true, it stood the test of time, and it can help you and me during this season. And we can learn from somebody in the New Testament, Peter, the Apostle Peter's experience. And I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, it's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels about Jesus. And Acts is the story after Jesus ascended what happened with the church as it emerged. And Peter is the premier leader in the church in the first half of Acts. And you're going to see that something happens in Peter that may happen in you and me. And in this story in Acts chapter 10, 
Peter is going to communicate with somebody named Cornelius. I want you to start with me in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generosity to the poor and prayed regularly to God. And one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. I'll go on in the story here in a moment, but I want you to consider a few things. Cornelius is a Roman soldier. So he is an official of the occupying force. He was a good man who loved the poor and loved God the best he knew how. He didn't have all the information that Peter had or the New Testament church had yet, but he did the best with what he knew. And by the way, there are many people all around us in our communities that are giving their best. They're not all evil and angry people. They're actually doing their best, and yet they're yet to receive the fullness of what God's message is to him. Cornelius hears his prayer and uh, sends his prayer up to God, and God hears it, and then God sends an angel And even though he's an outsider, God still sends an angel to him. He's not a church member, but I believe that God was at work outside the church. And we're discovering in an hour like this that God is at work outside of the physical walls of the church buildings. He's reaching people in ways that we could not imagine. And he was also, Cornelius was, a Gentile. It's the biblical word for someone who was not a Jew. And now we're going to see that one of the biggest spirit-driven changes in all of the New Testament is about to happen. Because the Gospels, the first four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those were all Gospels that were primarily directed towards Jerusalem, where it was mostly Jews. But when we move forward in Acts, we're beginning to see that the Gospels reaching people, not just Jews, but also Gentiles. And here we have Peter, who's the leader of the church, who knew the old story, but God was now propelling him into something brand new. He was a God-fearing Jewish man, Peter was, and he loved Jesus, but he would never talk to people like Cornelius because Cornelius was an outsider, a Gentile. And so God also moves at the same time as he's moving with Cornelius, he moves supernaturally with Peter. And it says in verse 9, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the roof, flat roof, to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. Anybody feel like that? And while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He was asleep. And he saw the sky open up, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. Can you imagine telling Jesus no? He says, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times. 
Then the seat was suddenly pulled up to heaven. So Peter goes up and he, he's taking a nap. He's dozing off. And he's dozing off in a home. And he's dozing off in a place where nobody was around him for the moment. And here God sends a vision to him. And that vision is a sheet coming down with animals and reptiles and birds on it. And it's kind of just crazy. And God tells him to eat it. Now, all of those animals, birds, and reptiles were in categories that he was taught from the time he was born to never eat. And because of his family of origin training, he is kind of automatic. He's like, no way. It would be like me who, uh, by nature, I grew up in Michigan and I was a Michigan Wolverine fan. And it would be like God, God telling me, root for the Ohio State Buckeyes. No, Lord. <laughs> no way. Right? There's something in him that said no to the Lord. But God was beginning to change the way that Peter saw the people in his life. God was shifting Peter toward people that Peter would have rejected previously. And then go on in verse 19. It says, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, the Holy Spirit, think about this. Holy Spirit speaks to people. Holy Spirit said to him, the three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Now what was happening is Cornelius had sent three men to Peter's household because the angel had told him to do that. And as he did that, they knock out the door. Peter's puzzling the thing, and here these people show up for Cornelius. So two different spaces in one place, Cornelius is receiving a word from an angel. In another place, Peter's having a vision. Both of them are coming together now in the same moment. And now Peter goes with them and meets with Cornelius. Look at verse 34. And then Peter replied as he's talking to Cornelius, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. In other words, Peter begins to declare, now I see things differently. And friends, the movement of the Spirit moved Peter to new people. The movement of the Spirit moved Peter to new people. He was now moving to the Gentiles he had preached the good news about Jesus in other places, but now he's going to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Spirit with those people. And as he moved through this, I want you to consider that God may move you to new people. Move on. In verse 44, it says this. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. See, now as Holy Spirit didn't just move with the Jews, Holy Spirit was now moving with the Gentiles. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. 
This is a powerful story, and I'm not going to elaborate anymore on this particular story, other than to say, notice what God, by his spirit, led Peter through, but also notice what God was doing in people outside of the church. God was also moving in them, and he was bringing them together. You know, I've been a a student of of natural geography, and, and I love to watch different videos about nature and what happens, and... And there are migration patterns that animals go through through different seasons. Around the world, animals and birds migrate according to the seasons. It's like they have a, an inner GPS that drives them towards food at the right times. And I want you to consider that the, as those migration patterns and animals move from one what leads whole packs of animals to the same location? It's like God birthed something and then said, this is where you need to be right now. But people also go through migration. And migration sometimes is because of war. Sometimes it's because of changes in in food and economic resources. Sometimes it's because of a coronavirus. There is migration that happens. There is spiritual migration happening right now. And I want you to pay attention that the Spirit is moving you right now, moving you toward people you wouldn't be around otherwise. God is moving us towards where he wants us to be. And I want to give you how, uh, some things about how spiritual migration moves us to be for our city. How is God's spirit migrating us toward the city? The first thing is this, visions don't come without pulling away to the roof, I might add. I want you to consider that the way God will move you is when you pull away and you spend time with the Lord. Now, he's not going to give you one vision after another after another. But when we consistently pull away to be with God, there's something that happens in communion with him. We open ourselves up to the voice of the Spirit, and we're ready when he tells us to go. Then God can send it to us. Now, Peter didn't necessarily go up on the roof in a place he wanted to pray, but, you know, he, he was hungry, he was distracted, he kind of started falling asleep, and some of you have done that before, where you're just kind of sitting in your couch or in the summertime out on the deck in the sunshine, and, and you just kind of start dozing off. But I want you to know, you don't know when God's spirit wants to speak to you, but you need to live in a state of readiness and be willing to pull away so that he can speak to you. If all you got is noise going on, some of you are like, you don't understand, Pastor Nate. I have toddlers in my house, and there is nothing but noise from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. But I think that you can find spaces where you can pull away for 10 or 15 minutes where you just talk to the Lord, where you take your Bible and you pray. I mean, you just listen to worship, or you just sit there and you contemplate, meditate on the word, talk to the Lord about your needs, give yourself an opportunity to be led by the Spirit. Spiritual migration begins with pulling away. Secondly, the Spirit moves on you, but not only for you. In other words, spiritual migration moves us to be for our city when we recognize that the Spirit is not just there for us, but it's for the people around us. Some people, I've discovered over time, I've been in the church my whole life, and I've watched and listened since I became a lead pastor. There's so many people that are truly hungry, hungry for God. But if all of your hungry only benefits yourself, you're not being led by the Spirit. 
The Spirit wants you to not just grow big and strong. He wants you to grow big and strong so that you can help those that are around you. To be the light of the world that's around you. And for Peter in this experience, it was more than just for himself. Peter wasn't getting a vision for Peter. Peter was getting a vision for Cornelius and his family and the people that were around him. God wants to give you visions, but they aren't necessarily for you. In fact, we need to recognize that there are knocks on the door in our life. Peter comes too, and there's a knock on the door downstairs. And we need to learn to connect your spiritual vision to those outside your door. Connect your spiritual vision to those outside your door. Outside your door could be on any path of travel. Right now you're like, we're in an executive order and lockdown. But did you know that you are coming in contact with far more people than you're living with right now? In fact, people are communicating and connecting. They're texting. They're FaceTiming. They're using Zoom and Skype. They're spending time on social media, connecting with others. Those are all paths of travel. You're becoming aware of all kinds of different people. And as you are, there are people that God is at work with. There's angels talking to them that God wants to bring you together. And we have an ability to notice that there's a knock on the door. It's not only for you. It's for the people that will be around you. Third, the Spirit moves you to see the people you previously ignored. The Spirit will open your eyes to people that you previously ignored. Peter totally disregarded the Gentiles before this moment. And you and I can have different types of blindness. We can have generational training where our families trained us to avoid certain groups of people. Or people with different uh, skin color, or different language groups, or different so- socioeconomic statuses. And we have a blindness to people that the Spirit may want to lead us toward. Some of us are just plain ignorant. We didn't know any better. But the Spirit will open our eyes and we'll begin to see people in a new way. Listen, when it comes to the people that are around us, we can notice them. And we can see people that we had never seen before. Peter said no to Jesus, but the Lord was relentless. He said, I'm not going to let this go. In fact, Peter was getting Jesus' vision for the church. Remember when Jesus walked into the temple, tipped over the tables, and he quoted from Isaiah when he said that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He was essentially saying that the house of God was meant to be a place that all nations were welcome. Welcome to worship and be in relationship. Peter had actually separated himself from Jesus' vision. Now the Spirit was leading closer to Jesus' vision. Number four, God is already working in others before he leads you to them. You know, we don't need to be worried about the prep work. God is already at work in other people. Holy Spirit was working on Cornelius and Peter separately. And God is working on the people that he will lead you to. And when God opens your eyes, you only have to join the Spirit in the work he's doing. It's like joining a a group Zoom meeting uh, where everybody's on the same online platform together and the meeting's already in progress. You're joining a story. You're not starting a story. God's at work in people's lives. And you aren't responsible to make people see. God does the work. Number five. You are the missing link in God's larger picture. Did you know that in this whole story of spiritual migration, 
that there's a missing link. God's at work sending angels to other people, but you're the missing link for them to discovering all that God has for them. You're the missing ingredient, the yeast that helps the dough rise. You're the sugar that makes the cookie sweet. And the burden that God will give you for people is the beginning or the birthplace of vision. You know, I want you to pay attention to the things that are bothering you right now. Why are they bothering you? Did you know that being bothered by something is the beginning or kind of the starting point of vision? It could be that it's bothering you what's happening outside of your world because God wants you to be a part of the solution. That there's vision happening in this moment. Instead of being bothered, why not take your burden to the Lord and let him begin to develop what he's doing and slow down enough to hear what God is saying. I want to introduce a word to you. The word is pacing. Pacing is slowing down and hearing the thoughts of another. It's slowing down and hearing the thoughts of another. I want you to imagine me going out for a walk with a three-year-old. I'm six foot two, 200, none of your business pounds. I'm a big guy, right? But I could go out for a walk with a three-year-old and, uh, and the three-year-old is down here, okay? Now, if I walk at my pace, my pace might be rather quick, okay? My pace might be long, how many know that the little toddler's steps are kind of like this? They don't go very fast, right? So for this toddler to have a good experience with me as an adult, I have to slow down and walk at their pace. I would just say this, parents, your kids in your house right now don't have your long legs of experience. They haven't gone through what you went through. And uh, they've got kind of shorter understanding, interpretation, they're getting bothered, they're bored, they're wanting something different, and you could get really irritated with them. Or you could slow down and walk at their pace. What does that mean? It means what if you paused and listened to what they're going through instead of just telling them what to do all day long? What if you said, well, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling right now? And listening to where they're at enables you to parent in a better way. That becomes especially true as, as kids grow up and you've got a middle school or a high school or even a young adult that is a part of your family. Did you know that, that there's a great amount of depression happening amongst the next generation in this season where they're, they're worried, they're uncertain, and they're feeling concerned? And the best thing in the world for those teenagers and young adults is a seasoned adult that knows they're going to make it through this that slows down and walks at the pace of the next generation and listens to what's on their heart before telling them what to do. I think that the greatest victory could be in a family that overcomes depression or in people that you know, perhaps you know somebody that's a single adult that's at home and alone. They need to talk to people right now and you, get, you could slow down enough to give them a half hour conversation on the phone and it could change their life. It could be a senior citizen that is now at home and they're in quarantine and they're at an at-risk population that you could give them a call and listen to the story of what's on their heart. Friends, I want you to know you can pace and walk at their pace, but you can do the same thing with God. You see, when it comes to spiritual migration, God is leading us toward the people in the world around us 
And we don't have to go, how am I going to tell them what to do? And how am I going to save my generation? And get overwhelmed with coming with all the genius stuff in your brain. What if you pump the brakes, baby, and you slow down and your prayer life looked a little bit like this, where you just began to pray and you said, Lord, you know, our, you already know what's going on in people's lives. You've given me a burden for them, but I don't know what to do. Would you help me see what you see? Help me feel your heart. See your vision for their life. Would you remove the bias, the racism, the pride from my heart so that I can fully see what you see? I want to partner with you in their life. I pray for this person, and you can name different people. Please keep moving in their life. Use me however you want. I'm open to being used in the gifts of the Spirit. Use me. Help me to join what you're already doing in their life. Friends, I want you to know that you and I can be for our city, for the people in our world around us. But it's going to begin with us pulling away, giving room for God to move in our hearts, allowing him to change the way we see people, and then eventually partnering with God, just saying, God, I'm ready for whatever you want, whatever knock at the door is. Could be a need, could be a direct message on Facebook. It could become something you are aware of in the neighborhood or in the apartment complex that you live in. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.